My name is Natalie, and this is Chelsea, and we're the hosts of The Daily Reframe, a podcast dedicated to exploring the application of a growth mindset through the stories and experiences of others. Today on The Daily Reframe, we're honored to welcome a truly remarkable and vivacious woman who embodies resilience and positivity. She's here to share her deeply personal journey, a story of love, loss, and the unwavering pursuit of motherhood. Our guests faced both conflicting feelings that pregnancy can stir up and the heartache of pregnancy loss, an experience that profoundly affects countless women, yet often remains shrouded in silence. Through her journey, our guest has grappled with the challenges and setbacks that have tested her strength and resolve, while also teaching her invaluable lessons about patience and priorities. In the face of these trials, her response and story becomes a beacon of hope for others. She's here to discuss not just the struggles, but the breakthroughs and insights gained along the way, offering a perspective that's both raw and uplifting. So join us as we explore this deeply moving tale of endurance, transformation, and the journey to motherhood. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Very excited to be here with you both and talk about fertility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not an easy topic. Um, mm-hmm. Some, Well, I'll say this. I have two sisters and they they can't stop getting pregnant. I I have like 16, 17 <laughs> nieces and nephews. But if you are not one of those people, it can be a really tough topic. And I appreciate your vulnerability, willingness to come up, uh, come on the show and talk about things that shouldn't be this hard to talk about. But unfortunately, society has not caught up with the time. So We're hoping to change that, move that forward with today's show. Um, Without further ado, please take us back to the start of your journey. Sure. Um, So I am currently 33, though I still think I am 27. All good. (laughs) Me too. Um, And I, I got married when we were 28 and have always wanted to be a mom. I have three incredible nieces and nephews from my sister and a slew of nephews and nieces on my um, husband's side. And so being a mom was always something that was like super important to us, but also wanted to wait a little. Like I, we were living in Chicago at the time. Um, I just completed grad school. My husband was just starting his MBA program Mm. and really prioritizing our career in our late twenties, early Mm thirties. And so when the time rolled around to start talk about family planning it was a big conversation of like, when do I go off birth control? Yeah. And I had been on birth control since I was 14. Um, always joking. Like I was probably like the youngest virgin on birth control of, like, in America. <laughs> um, but I was always on it because of acne and throughout high school. And so mm-hmm. by the time it rolled around to go off of birth control was October of 2022. And um, I got pregnant for the first time in, I think it was if memory serves, when the Warriors won the championship in January of, sorry, October of 2021, Warriors won, and then we got pregnant in January of 2022. 
Okay, I was gonna ask if it was like the night of conception, like a victory. <laughs> I don't know. I just have that like time frame, like very hey, I love it. crystallized in my yes. mind as like yes. <laughs> warriors one in the night of positive pregnancy tests, and it was crazy. <laughs> so, relatively quickly, then yes, or in hindsight, like much faster than I anticipated. And also, this is crazy, and this is like the naivete of youth. I was absolutely devastated when I got a positive pregnancy test result because one of my best friends was getting married in Spain in oh. October of 2022. Wow. And my original yeah. due date was November of 2022. And I just remember Matt was, I, my husband's name is Matt. Um, Matt was traveling for work. I was alone. And all I could think about is I'm not ready for this. I can't go to my friend's wedding. This is the worst feeling in the world. Oh, yeah. like bachelorette parties. It, well, I think also just like your timeline, let's talk about it. You know, Chelsea and I've talked about how the pandemic lined up, right? Like the mm -hmm. early, late 20s, early 30s. That's the time where you would kind of, especially if you've been on the career track, the time where you felt like, okay, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to have some fun. I finally have the money to do it. I'm going to live it up a little bit. And then you get pregnant, which you want it to be, but you know, it's also just kind of the nature of it. Sometimes you can't control when or if it happens. Yeah, totally. And like total privilege check. I know that, but we were like, we can't go out to like dinner anymore. And San Francisco had just like um, opened up. We were living in the city at the time. So as much as it was something that we planned to do, the reality was so different in hindsight which is so immature and so dumb and so stupid. I can't like, like, I know that, um, but that's how I felt. And that's real. And as dumb as that was, um, that's kind of the reality at the time. Well, oftentimes, like you said, privilege check, we don't, you, you got pregnant so quickly after I'm going to say quickly because you yeah. were on birth control for over a decade. Which half of, over half of my life, which yeah. is so I, crazy. right. I, I have, I know people that were on birth control for two years and it has completely messed with their hormones. So, you know, it's one of those things like you don't even, it's almost like you have, you don't realize the gift you were given, like you said, but when did that, when did, I guess you reframe that? And when did you realize that was a gift? Um, when I went in for my first scan, so at I believe it was eight weeks, six or six to eight weeks. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I went in for my first scan and I had, um, there was no, so I had like a yolk sac, but there was no fetal pole. Um, mm. And so the doctor was like, okay, so what you need to do is just come back in a week because more than yeah. likely there's going to be a fetal pole that develops. Um, so don't worry about it. Like live your life for the next week and come back. And that seven days was excruciating. It was, I'm so dumb for having reacted the way that I did about a freaking mm. wedding. That's so stupid. I'm so dumb that I like was even concerned for a moment about losing my independence because all I, all we wanted was this baby to form. Mm. And when I got to the next appointment, um, obviously found out that we had miscarried and that devastation was just something that like, it was just a, it was, it was the loss. It was the guilt. It was the stupidity. It was the shame of just like, 
what are you even prioritizing in your life? Because that is just so immature, so young and so dumb. So that to me is when I was like, this is going to be a harder road. And that's my friend group. Um, we're very open talking about fertility, often talk about how like for more than half of our lives, we avoid getting pregnant. And now all of a sudden when you hit like your early thirties, it's like, or even late only 20s thing you some want. people, only thing, only you, thing want. you want, only thing you want. Yeah. So I was very lucky in that I had the best moral support from my friend group. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will forever treasure my best friends for that because that was a really, really dark time that it wasn't just the loss. It was also the disappointment in myself for having even like prioritized something else. And what's interesting, and I think we, we don't talk about this enough. Like a lot of times we like shame can be externally felt or caused, right? We have shame because of what we've done out in the world that, that for things that people can see or the way we've behaved, but it is, a it's almost for me, at least like the shame we carry inside, like the shame we could feel for our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's not like you were you know, going out and posting about how pissed you were being pregnant or about, you know, you were going to miss this or that. It was these thoughts that you had to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think they're very natural thoughts. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you achieve this thing that you felt like you wanted, but it becomes so real and you have to think of the reality of it. And it is like, in a way, you know, your, yourself and the life that you live is going to change dramatically. Um, totally. so like, I also feel like that's a very natural re that's the reaction that I feel that I will have, um, if, and when that ever happens for me, but that makes total sense. How did yeah. those feelings of shame, guilt, frustration in yourself change and evolve? You said you had this incredible support network, but you were, was there a process that you had to engage in? Was it just giving yourself time? Did you go to therapy? Were you able to take time off for yourself just to kind of Go ahead. Great question. The pro I would say in hindsight, like kind of evaluating the process that I went through was I just wanted to return to normal or my baseline as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so what that looked like for me that um, did not serve me particularly well was I dove back in to going to my favorite workout classes at Barry's. I um, was very fortunate. My employer gave me time off, paid time off. So very wow. grateful for that. Um, super supportive boss who is a mom who totally understands it. She, and I was very able to be open with her. I was really struggling at work one day and I just went into my CEO's office and told him what was going on. And the first question he asked me is, do you need more time off? I will forever be incredibly appreciative of the support that I had at work. Cause it was a very busy time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me physically, it was getting back into workout, which is how I manage stress anxiety. If it's not a nightclub vibe, I don't work out in it. Like that's how I like (laughs) burn this, all of this energy that I have all the time. Um, and just like going out with my friends and having fun and kind of just like masking past it a little bit Sure, because it is so normal. Like miscarriages are so common and it's so crazy to me that there is such a stigma around them. Um, because they happen to more people than you could ever imagine. What really grinds my gears is in this climate that we're in now, 
where um, my insurance, like when I got my receipt back, if you will, from the hospital, Mm -hmm. my miscarriage procedure was coded as a medical abortion. And so this has like turned me into a little bit of a firebrand about women's reproductive rights and protecting them because it's, it's medical health. Like women's Mm -hmm. health is just Mm -hmm. health. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's a whole other separate diatribe, but working through this process, I think one thing, um, that didn't serve me well was the physicality of jumping back into working out because after I took, um, my miscarriage was cleared through uh, medication. I didn't have to do a DNC. And so I was bleeding for probably like two or three weeks, um, while doing like these hit classes Yeah, and I developed ovarian cysts. And Mm -hmm. so that kicked off this whole other work stream, if you will, of, um, medical attention. I ended up having to go to the ER because I had a contorted cyst on my ovary. The concern was that my ovary was going to flip. Torsion. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so that just kind of like delayed to the process of trying again. Right. And it was at that appointment that my doctor recommended that I go see a fertility specialist just in case having had a miscarriage, the scar tissue. And then now, um, a, I, I was calling it my waffling ovary. And so making sure that everything <laughs> was sound under the engine. Um, and I actually found a lot of peace with the fertility expert in that I saw in San Francisco, because one, the conversations were um, very easy to have and didn't make me feel like I had done something wrong or that I like was mouth functioning in some way. It was just, it was a really good conversation to have with someone who specializes in this Mm -hmm. and made me feel like everything is going to be okay. And I really, really appreciate, um, the guidance provided at that appointment specifically because it was, it was really excellent bedside manner. And I think Chelsea and I have talked about this are, you know, from a PCP to any other type of medical provider, they're, bedside manner, the experience you have with a physician is imperative. If it is a bad experience, you know, it's, you leave, have a horrible taste left in your mouth. It also, like you said, it could create more negative feelings, Yeah. right? If you're, oh, well, oh, you were, you were doing what? Oh, you were working too hard. Oh, Oh, you had three martinis. Exactly. Exactly. And I think women, especially we, we have enough critical voices just shouting at us generally here and then in our mind exactly (laughs) we don't need to be hearing that from someone who should be you know essentially our medical confidant who should Mm -hmm. be on team emma team chelsea team natalie whatever it is i'm i'm thrilled to hear that you had a great experience because i think one even getting to your going to a specialist like as quickly as you did that's that's a tough choice to make because some people just i know it's easier to just want to shut down or maybe tell yourself, like, I don't want to open this door again, or I hate the term, but collapse on yourself. Let those feelings of self-doubt, guilt, or frustration keep you where you are and maybe prevent you from going after that dream of motherhood or getting under the hood, as you said. (laughs) And I think that's where my like kind of personality comes into play of that. Mm -hmm. I've identified my goal. I will do anything to accomplish it. And so Matt was so supportive throughout, like never 
a second question of, oh, maybe we should wait, or maybe that seems like you're overreacting. Like never, that was never once part of the equation. My friends were super supportive. Um, and my parents were integral and kind of helping me through this. My dad is a doctor and I just, I am so grateful that my family and my sister, especially, um, were there for me because I know a lot of people don't have that support system. And I, even having the most buoying group of people around you, it's the most isolated I've ever felt in my entire life. Mm. How did you address that, those feelings of isolation within your marriage? You know, you said that Matt was so supportive, but you know, Matt doesn't experience, he didn't experience the miscarriage biologically. He wasn't the carrier charged with, you know, making sure that little package arrived safely. Great question. At the time too, he, um, he works in finance, so he has a pretty busy job that requires a lot of hours. So a lot of the time I was alone and I actually think that was better for me because it helped me work through things so that I could better articulate how I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing and where I need him to help. I've known Matt since I was 19 years old. Like there's no side unturned to each other yeah cutest college love story i remember (laughs) when i went well when i went to santa clara to visit you um it was like halloween or something you guys were i think just friends at that time yeah like you were just friends like exactly (laughs) and emma but even in high school like you are like you said your your personality has been unwavering. like you have always been that person very goal-oriented get things done boss girl boss woman, fiery redhead, you handle things. So I'm not surprised to hear that you applied that approach to getting pregnant again. Was it, was it difficult to, once you started the process again, like IVF, IUI, like how many rounds, what was that like? So we actually got pregnant, um, naturally. Uh, so I miscarried in God, in hindsight, these, all the, all of this stuff like waves together, like a crazy dream. Yeah. I, I believe I miscarried in April because we were set to have family come out for Easter. And like, we like rented a room at a restaurant to like tell everyone we were pregnant. And then we mm. used that same room to be like, <laughs> just kidding. I will have a Manhattan, but thank you. Um, <laughs> but th- so grateful. My family was there because that, yeah. it was a great weekend regardless. So that was in April. I had ER trip in May, fertility specialist in May. And then if memory serves, I believe I got pregnant around the 4th of July, um, naturally. And I was shocked, like completely gobsmacked and just one. So my initial reaction when I like got, when I had saw my test was, oh my God, it's going to happen again. Yeah. And that dread stuck with me for all 36 weeks and four days that I carried our twins. (laughs) How did you manage those feelings? Talking about it at length um, Mm -hmm. in a, this is like a terrible way to put this, but I have had several friends who have miscarried and gone through the same type of circumstance that I did. And I'm so grateful for how open we are about talking about it. Um, People like connections of people that I went to college with that I was connected through, through my professional network to some of my best friends. So many people were willing and open about talking about pregnancy loss. Yeah. And I just feel really grateful to live 
in this community where it is not taboo. It happens to everyone. And we really make an effort, I think, as this kind of like cohort in our generation to change the conversation around it because it's Mm -hmm. so common. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And you can learn so much from each other from learning through each other's experiences. And so there was this one woman who had um, multiple miscarriages, finally got pregnant. She now has a family of three um, after rounds of IVF. And then baby number three was natural. And I really clung to her and her guidance. Um, In hindsight, I'm not sure like why she was so pivotal to me, but just the fact that she cared and had three kids and was willing to like take a phone call with me as I'm like, this is never going to happen, you know, sobbing on the phone to her, um, as pretty much strangers, like, yes, connected through friends of friends, but I just, women are so incredible and we rule. And the fact (laughs) that our empathy extends to those, not only that we're closest to, but outside of our inner circles and circumstances like this is something that I'm just so, I thank God for every single day. And I try to give it back as much as possible. I love that. And I'm, I'm, I love that you were able to feel comfortable enough to open up and find you. Know, I, I don't want to say a mentor, but you like, find someone to lean on in a person that you hadn't had around you your entire life. Cause sometimes it feels like our intimate, painful experiences should only be saved for those that have known us, you know, deeply or at length or for many, many years. But often Mm -hmm. we can find support in a stranger. Totally. Which is so bizarre. Right. (laughs) It's like the stranger on the airplane that like you leave the flight (laughs) and they know your entire life by the end of the flight. Every yes. single person I sit next <laughs> yes. to on a plane. Uh, same. This is why we should never travel together. <laughs> oh my God. We'd be kicked off the plane. Yes. <laughs> um, so have you yourself become, I don't, I'm going to say it again, like a, a pregnancy mentor uh, <laughs> for anyone since your experience? I have talked to several, I would probably say several dozen people now who have experienced pregnancy loss Mm. just as someone to talk to and listen and always say like, do we want to talk about solutions or do you want me just to be an ear? Um, Because I was very open with my story. I, um, it, it just sucks. Like this sounds so like elementary, but it just sucks so hard. And I'm just such a firm believer of buoying others and like uh, that's how I get through things is with others and so the moment I can do that for someone else like don't hesitate to call me because it just sucks like I wish I had a better I have a pretty expansive vocabulary there's nothing that encapsulates (laughs) that better than it just sucks well it go ahead was there I'm just curious was there like a piece of advice that you were given or a piece of advice that you gave out that really resonated with you or you were told like resonated with the person you were speaking to? One of the women that I spoke with, um, always said that God gives you only what you can handle. Mm-hmm. And I like that's, I've gone to Catholic school my entire life. Like that's something that I've heard quite literally for sure. the 24 years that I was in education. Um, and I never believed it until then. Yeah. And so that has really stuck with me as something that really helped and just 
because you can kind of use God as an excuse, you know? Sure. Like it's not the right time. It's not the right, whatever. Um, so that just really helped me kind of like compartmentalize to move on and move forward. What was the least helpful advice that you got or what you wish people would stop saying to someone who's either struggling to get pregnant or has experienced pregnancy loss? God, where does that list begin? Um, (laughs) The easiest way to get pregnant is a bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Go on a vacation. Yeah. Stop, (laughs) Stop thinking about it so much. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, it's on loop 24 seven. The best. Um, well maybe if you just stop trying. Yes. Just don't think about it. You're fine. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it may seem obvious, but where do you think that those comments come from? Because people don't know how to react. Yeah. You know, like, because people don't talk about it. Like I, I gen, so I live in the Bay area. I do think you're, region does inform what types of conversation are taboo and what aren't. Um, and so women's health is obviously a huge topic as of late, I would say, especially as we've come into our early thirties Yeah, and we, we talk, we talk about fertility. We talk about loss. We talk about journeys to get pregnancy. Um, for example, I have two of my best friends now have children and, all we talk, like truly all we talk about is like, so-and-so is pregnant. So-and-so is struggling. What can we do for them? Like that's, it's, we have this community of people that lottery. Yeah. Yes. Of like, we have, we're all at the same stage and age a little bit and we really rally around each other. And I, I, I can't, I can't put a finer point on how grateful I am for that because I know that's not the same for so many other people. So for women that don't, have that type of community or that are attempting, maybe they've witnessed all of their friends or family or, you know, sisters, whatever it may be, become pregnant and they are alone in that experience, their infertility or their pregnancy loss. What, what do you, what would you say to them where they don't have direct community to go to? I don't even know if it's so much as what is like you can say other than how can you show up? I love that because you can never empathize with someone else's situation, especially if you've never experienced it. What you can do is just be there and be a warm body and an open ear. Mm -hmm. And that's, it, it makes me so profoundly sad for women who don't have an outlet, someone to talk to a partner who doesn't get it, a best friend who has, a dozen kids and they're struggling like that to me one you're not alone and two you just have to ha- you just have to show up for them yeah 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 i think often it's as simple as that it's like just being there to listen mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to say anything profound like i think people sometimes feel scared or that like it's, it's something they don't understand or it's too heavy or like, they're not going to have the right things to say, but it's like, you don't, you don't really need to say anything at all. So if you can send a DoorDash gift card, send some ice cream, send something. And if not, then call them and say, Hey, how are you? Yeah. So obviously community was very, was pivotal in 
your journey during your pregnancy, helping you to manage feelings of self-doubt or fear. What other methods or processes did you use to manage your stress? So, you know, I, I, I think we hear this a lot of times, stress, you know, cortisol, especially for women, it's like a killer of joy when it comes to our hormones and female health. Um, how have, how were you able to manage that while also working, being very, very driven, having a life, a social life, as well as a thriving career and carrying those feelings with you? I mean, you can't just completely shut them out, right? Because then they're still there. They're festering. I think what I did was normalized as much as possible. So at the beginning of the year, like I mentioned, devastated about, you know, my friend's bachelorette, blah, blah, blah. We had a couple of other social events that now I could go to not pregnant and just kind of like threw myself back into myself a year ago of celebrating my friends and being able to have a good time and not stressing necessarily about how much different my life was going to be. And I don't, I'm not sitting here and saying that's like the right thing to do, but that that's what I did. And it seemingly worked for me. Um, with those occasions where there are several mental breakdowns, where there are um, tears streaming in the middle of my face in a target. Yes, of course. But trying to like normalize as much as possible to kind of get through this really shitty time. Yeah. Because I, I, I never lost faith that it was going to happen. It just wasn't happening like I wanted it to. And once I kind of released that element of this is so beyond out of my hands, yeah. then it was very freeing a little bit. And I, I'm the type of person that I am. Um, I like to be in the driver's seat, but I always say like, I love second place. I'm really good runner up. Like, I know that's crazy, but I can surrender to something that's not in my control pretty, pretty easily, which has been a learned behavior, honestly. Well, and like a powerful one. Such yes. a, yeah. Yeah. Very. I mean, especially at control in my, in my life, I have learned that it is, it's a way like I keep myself safe. Like if I can hand, control the situation or response or make sure everybody's okay around me, then I'll be okay too. Mm-hmm. But that's just not life. And oftentimes the more we try to like control an outcome or a response, more um, unrest, you know, we feel with this about. You can't wrap your arms around everything. Like that's yeah. literally how you drop something. And so- oh. I love this was, that imagery that you yeah, just that so really beautiful. Good. Shout out to my old boss, Ashley. Um, but <laughs> that is that was something that truly like it's just not in your control. Like, yes, you can um there's so many incredible resources out there of learning more about your hormones, learning more about um how to eat, how to not how to work out, even um thank God for modern medicine. Like truly we are living in a luxury of riches with the opportunities that, um, women have in different resources. So I, I do think there's an element of like, you can overeducate yourself, Yeah, but at the end of the day, like it just, whatever suits you is you are the only person that knows how to manage what you're going through. And so if you are, um, if you're in your driver's seat and you feel like you're doing the best you can, the reality is you are doing the best you can. And that's something to be celebrated. 
then your best can't be compared to someone else's. No. Which I think it's there's that adage um comparison is the thief of joy. Yep. And I think of that often, especially in my situation where I have so many beautiful nieces and nephews, but I have yet <clears throat> to be to be able to have one mm-hmm. myself. And it is so often like so I find myself sometimes I hate the word envy, but it, it's it's hard not to. You know, you sit and you look, you're like, when is that gonna happen? Or why can't it? But that's when I think the advice you're you're giving you know just let if it'll it'll happen when it happens or just stop trying to force it just you can't control the outcome you could do your best to try to bring something to go through the process IVF IUI but even then right it's especially with fertility it's it seems like an art that modern medicine is incredible but it's also not without flaws. It's, you know, there is no guarantee. And I think it's the comparing or what I have found myself or women do like, well, how, why I've done everything right. Why isn't it working out for me? That'll drive you nuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a very valid feeling to feel, especially as you look around and see everything that you don't have yet that you want so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for more daily reframe inspiration? Then follow us on socials by searching at the underscore daily underscore reframe, or check out our website at www.thedailyreframe.com. Well, and I think that this mentality that you cultivated over this journey has probably only helped you in actual motherhood. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that. Yeah. Love that. Boy. <laughs> what is it like having twins? Cause I don't, that's something we didn't talk about. You didn't just get pregnant. You doubled down too. Again, God only gives you what you can handle. <laughs> Rings love- true to now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I went in for my first, so it's funny when I not, I mean, whatever funny is a relative term. When I got pregnant the second time, um, it was over the 4th of July weekend. I had a positive pregnancy test and Matt yeah. had a positive COVID test. And so we we're like, oh, oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so literally we're just like, okay, like, let's just camp in here for, you know, a couple days, whatever. We'll make the best of it. Um, and but just like that stress of just like, this was also back in now 2022 and having lived in San Francisco, people were still masking all the time. Like COVID is still a thing in the Bay Area, whereas mm-hmm. other places in the country, it's not, um, rightfully so. But it was just like stressful to be in that circumstance. So because I had miscarried, because I got referred to a um, fertility specialist, I also at that time um, transferred to a new practice because I didn't love the care that my original OB had given me throughout the process after I miscarried. Um, I never even heard from her. I didn't hear from anybody from their office. Like they just referred me to the fertility specialist and kind of cut me loose. Mm-hmm. So um, I had some friends who had incredible experiences with a different practice. I went there and immediately walking through the door, um, like, it's like, oh my God, this is how 
treatment should be. Hmm. But um, I was sent in early because of my cysts to ensure that the pregnancy wasn't ectopic because I had some weird twinging where my ovarian cysts mm-hmm. um, were. And so went in and Matt had just started um, a new job and he had a flight to New York on the morning of my scan. And so I was like, don't be a martyr. Like it's yeah. so early. The exact same thing is going to happen. I can handle this on my own. Just go on your flight and call me like when you get to New York or I'll like get Wi-Fi in the plane and I'll let you know how it goes. Um, so the woman is scanning and she's like, I like to tell miscarriage patients good news when I see it. Um, or like, do you want, do you want me to communicate with you throughout this? And I was like, yes, please. Like just like oh. blubbering and feeling so sorry for myself. Cause I was like, why did I tell Matt to go oh. like instant regret? Um, and she was like, uh, I found a heartbeat. So I start sobbing like full on. And then she just goes like, oh shit, I see a second. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, like literally the world stopped moving, spinning. Like I just like, I can, I can literally feel like the nausea coming back up of just like, (laughs) what? Yeah. Like I could not have been more shocked. So, um, yeah, that's how we found out we're having twins. Um, and thank God throughout pregnancy, super healthy pregnancy. I, Twin pregnancy is no joke, um, but I did it. I did develop preeclampsia toward the end of my pregnancy. Mm. So that was scary because that's just, that was a term that I got diagnosed with that I never Googled because that's a dark place on the internet. Yeah. Um, But the boys came at 36 weeks, three days on Valentine's day. Imagine that and healthy, like healthy, happy, no NICU time required. And they just turned one, which is so crazy. Yeah. And I, I, one of the reasons I love Instagram, I get to creep on my friends from various eras of my life. And last night, the zoomy post late night, zoomies, just like watching them run around just so much joy, like for you and of such a, I hate, I don't want to use the word deserving because I, I don't think it's about that, but watching you blossom into this phase of your life has been very cool. And I can only imagine how wonderful of experience it's been for you. I don't know if, did you ever, well, I don't, I, I feel like I know the answer to this, but did you ever feel like maybe motherhood wouldn't come as naturally to you because you are so dialed in and so career focused and can be that CEO running nonstop? 100%. I, um, And that's not to say the early days of motherhood are extremely, extremely humbling. Um, I definitely struggled with a lot of postpartum anxiety. I'm really grateful. My parents came out um, for the first eight weeks that the boys were here and they rented a place in California. My parents live in Colorado. Um, So I'm very grateful for that kind of like companionship with my mom during that time. Um, The hormone roller coaster is so real. Recovering from a C-section is not great. And then honestly, the worst part, sorry, everyone out there, the fucking hemorrhoids were atrocious. 10 times worse than any delivery pain, C-section recovery, anything. These are the things that I am so happy that you're talking about because this is what women don't tell you. Like they don't don't talk about you about these things. Oh my God. It's not great. The night sweats, the leaking, like I, we literally have this like, um, cover on our mattress that we had bed bugs. This is a long time ago, but I'm now like panicked about them. 
Um, but it's a bed bug mattress cover because mm. my PTSD. And I literally <laughs> sounded like I was rolling around in aluminum foil because <laughs> I was so wet from sweat. Like it was disgusting. And it's just nothing about those early days is easy. Um, but I do, I did find that the connecting emotionally to a baby came probably a little bit later for me, honestly, than like when, when they were first put on my chest, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is incredible. They're here. But it was probably when they got, um, less sweet potato-y like to, like I like to say, and like it started developing their little personalities. Then it's like, Oh my God, like just overcome with this love and adoration and this protective, like, I will do anything for these two little beings that I didn't even know for my entire life. And now they are my entire life. And that is so special. Um, but the, it's, there are many different tracks that your postpartum journey can take and none Mm -hmm. of them are easy. Um, and I'm envious of women who have a baby and are like, Oh, like I'm fulfilled because I love my children. They're one years old and they're thriving. We're thriving as a family. And I still want to get promoted. And that can be a very difficult balance to manage, um, without experiencing a lot of guilt. I just had my first work trip. Uh, we went, I went to Vegas for five days. That was my first overnight away from them and first work trip. Um, so the lead up to that, I like wept the night before. And Matt was like, you deserve this. Like you need to do this. You've got to go had the time of my life. So glad I went and crush it. And also I love Vegas cause I'm a freak, but I love Las Vegas. <laughs> um, so it was like the perfect place to go. And then compounded on that, we had, um, one of my best friends, bachelorette's parties five days after I got home. And that was my second trip away. And leading up to that, just like the anxiety and fear and, oh my God, I was just gone. Like, I can't put this all on Matt. I like, this is unfair obviously had the best time in the world. And so it's just, there's motherhood is just a constant balancing of guilt and happiness, guilt and happiness. And it makes you like, it just, I don't know. It's, it's a complicated feeling. Let me tell you. What, so what do you think, do you think motherhood though has changed you like as a person, like your personality, the way you approach life, the way you move through life? I think it has made me slow down, which is a good thing. I don't think it's changed my personality, which I'd probably benefit from, but whatever. Stop um, that. We don't do that here. You are I, wonderful. Um, I think it's it's just so humbling and lovely and it's almost indescribable because your life changes on a dime. You're no longer just an individual. You're no longer just a professional. You're no longer just a friend. You're no longer um, just somebody's girlfriend, somebody's wife, somebody's partner. You're now somebody's mom. And that is such an important title. And it's the most important title in my opinion, but you're still an individual and your individual desires are still there speaking loudly And so it's all about finding the impossible balance between that all. And something's always going to have to give. Um, And I, to answer your question more directly of how you think it's changed me, I kind of give less shits about what has to give. 
Whereas I used to want to fill every hole that I could, but it's definitely released some pressure on like, I'm sorry, I haven't texted you back in three days. I'm sorry that I didn't, I haven't called you back. I'm sorry. Like my number one priority is my children and my family. And I don't feel any guilt or mixed emotions about, I'm very clear on that. So would you say it's made you less of a people pleaser? A little bit. Yeah. But I'll do anything to please those two. I tell you. Well, yeah. So a different type of people. (laughs) Baby pleasing doesn't count. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess, you know, there's a question or two questions we ask everybody who comes on the show, which I'm sure you've heard at one point or another. Um, What? I mean, if obviously pregnancy loss is awful and it you it was horrendous but would you looking back would you if you go back would you avoid that could would you wish that experience had not happened would you trade what you have now to avoid to avoid having to have gone through that never um I also this is like just again I'm weird but because we lost the um, embryo I named it feedy because it didn't have a fetal pole so I talk about Feedy all the time still. Like oh, Feedy, Emma, it, Feedy paved that. the way for my boys. And I'm so grateful for Feedy. Um, and I know that's like so weird. No, it's not. Oh, I <laughs> no, it's actually such a beautiful <laughs> yeah. representation of how some of them. They're the most my family pain- too. Yeah. And a, something that is so painful and experience that rocked you is also a part of you and still occupies a place in your life because I think it's true. Like the the shit we have to walk through also shapes us. You 100%. know, like, yeah, it's just, well, th- I mean, you have, I- I'm sure you would have had like this overwhelming gratitude for these two little beings coming into your life, but because you had to go through heartbreak initially, it's like tenfold that I'm sure that you feel oh God, the gratitude yeah. for my, these babies. My rainbow babies. Yeah. Every time uh, I like, it's been raining in the Bay area and every time seen a rainbow this weekend like it's it I'm a strong believer in imagery and signs and I just like there is your little pot of gold wherever you go and they're my little pots of gold I love them so much I can hear them screaming so that's a little stressful but it's all good (laughs) well on on that note Chelsea do you want to ask Emma our last question yes it's our last question that we love to ask um is there a word that you would use that captures your journey or what enabled you to navigate these challenges that you encountered? One word is tough. Well, you can give us two because there's two little pots of gold. Ooh, we are making a new rule and I kind (laughs) of love it. (laughs) You give a mouse a cookie, Natalie. Now you get a paragraph. (laughs) Only Um, only for you, Emma, only for you. I would say resilience and positivity love it and folk yeah i think positivity is something that my um grandmother has bestowed kind of into my dna mm-hmm. and i'm a naturally positive person mm-hmm. and that's something that has kind of come naturally i, I feel very fortunate for that because i know that's not the same for a lot of people um but i don't know how i would get through even the freaking valleys of motherhood without, you know, a positive disposition. Yeah. 
Well, no, I think those two words perfectly surmise. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're going to give you one more for Feedy. <laughs> oh my God, that's so nice. Um, in my head, Feedy was definitely a girl because like I couldn't handle her. So God had to take her. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Feedy, she just would have been like vivacious. Ooh, I love it. You know? I love that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. But maybe one day, who knows? Hey, yeah. exactly. If I have learned everything in life, just be open to what mm-hmm. life yep. has to bring you. And when the door, the right door will open when it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, with that, Emma, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story yes. of resiliency. Uh, I, I know it's hard to talk about and I appreciate you helping open up that conversation for myself and our listeners. Yeah, of course. And again, I'm always an open ear. Um, It's not easy. And I so, so, so strongly believe in the value of community. It's one of my core values. And to anyone out there who's going through this, you're not alone. Feel free to DM me on Instagram or whatever, or reach out to Natalie for my contact information. I'm more than happy to be a listening ear for you. Amazing. Have a great, great rest of the day, Emma. Go, go kill that work meeting, girl. (laughs) We'll see. It's a big one. Hey, Chelsea here. We hope you've enjoyed our time with Emma. If you'd like to connect with her, please see how to do so under the additional resources section of our show notes. Natalie and I will be back with a new episode for you all next Friday. And until then, have the best weekend, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Daily Reframe. We hope you gained a fresh perspective on how to approach life's challenges with a renewed mindset. Remember, every obstacle presents an opportunity for growth, and every setback can be a stepping stone towards success. Like what you heard today? Then follow and like The Daily Reframe podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at www.thedailyreframe.com. And for more content than fuels you, get social with us on IG, TikTok, threads, and all those other fine places by searching at the underscore daily underscore reframe. And if you want to dive even deeper into the topics we've covered, be sure to check out the episode show notes, where we expand on key takeaways and share additional resources for personal growth, transformation, and guest bios. And remember, we love hearing from you and about your own reframe stories. Until next time, keep seeking new angles, embracing change, and reframing your mindset to create the life you want and deserve. The Daily Reframe podcast and content posted by, created, and or distributed by The Daily Reframe is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The use of information on The Daily Reframe podcast in The Daily Reframe 
including information found on or distributed through its Instagram, TikTok, and website, or materials linked from the podcast, Instagram, TikTok, or website is at the user's own risk. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical or mental health condition they may have and should seek the assistance of a healthcare professional for any such conditions.